best day of the week. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast, everyone. I'm Jonathan. I'm Emily. And I'm Todd. So, Franchise Week. Space Franchise Week. So let's see, what are some space franchises that aren't Star Trek and Star Wars that people like and want to play games based on? I like that you mentioned Wednesday, like, obscure franchises, and I'm sitting here telling myself, yeah, obscure franchises, <laughs> like, like, like Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, nobody's heard of and that. And Firefly and Firefly Alien. Now. Or Babylon 5 or Alien or what have you. So, yeah, I, 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 I guess... Doctor Who is kind of a space thing. Are there any good yeah. Doctor Who games? Uh, there was somebody reskinned Pandemic to make it work as Doctor Who. Really? Yeah, yeah. The the four diseases were Daleks and Cybermen and like uh, a fan based reskin. Yeah, pretty okay. much. And like the medic is Jack because he shows up and just blows away tons of Daleks or whatever. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah. I, I I don't know. It's the, 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 there was there was a there was a card game. I think it was made by it was a card um, game. and it it was it was not good. It was dismal. Yeah, did not feel Hoovian at all. There was no sense of exploration yeah. and time travel and saving the day at the last minute type thing. There's a Doctor Who Yahtzee comes uh, with a TARDIS for your dice. Great. Of course there is. It's. Uh, <laughs> Like you both look like surprised. Like, of course there is. So I, I, do, do, do manufacturers think that Doctor Who fans don't play games? Is that the upshot from this? There must be more that we're. Maybe it's just a, a North American thing that we don't get as many of the Doctor Who games that they're released in. Uh, it's yeah, possible in the UK. It's possible. Um, but I haven't seen a good one. So uh, when people ask where do you fall on the Star Trek versus Star Wars thing, I tend to often just say Babylon Five because it's a good way to end the conversation. <laughs> because people just say, "But what?" And that's pretty much that. Uh, there was a Babylon Five collectible card game back in the early '90s when everything was a collectible card game. It, it um, yeah, it wasn't good. There was a miniature game. There was, which actually was quite good from yeah. what I heard. Uh, and the, and considering how beautiful the ships from mm-hmm. that series were, this is like a, an early CGI series, and they would actually have shots of uh, you know some stuff blowing up on a bridge, and then the camera zooms out, and you can see the ship from outside doing stuff. Yeah. And it was all so very nineties. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, it was it wasn't a pre-painted, so it would come with little pewter miniatures that you mm-hmm. have to paint yourself, which you know, depending on your skill at that, could be great or awful. But uh, yeah, there, I've seen some really, really beautiful ships mm-hmm. from that front. But again, these are not things that made much of a splash. Uh, the, re- the return of Battlestar Galactica was kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. And that game was a huge deal. It really it's was. still a huge deal. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's one of the most like well-respected franchise games out there. Oh, easily. You know, yeah. like you talk about what are the best franchise games of any franchise, not just space, like anything at all, anything licensed. Mm-hmm. Um and most of the time, Battlestar is like way up on the list. Yeah, they hold it's it great. up as an example of how to do this right because mm-hmm. so yeah. many franchise games are garbage and toilets. So we didn't talk about the billions of terrible Star Trek and Star Wars games because yeah. why would we? But uh, when it comes to uh, less well-known licenses, I mean, there's so many problems with doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the IP holders are going to have an approvals process and there are going to be all kinds of things that wind up stopping you from making the game that you want to make. But uh, BSG is so often held up as an exemplar for this is how you do this right. 
right? And really, Fantasy Flight Games has done a fantastic job making licensed games. Mm-hmm. Like, if you think Star Wars games, you think FFG. Mm-hmm. If you think... Um, like Rebellion, Imperial Assault, mm-hmm. you know, all these things. Attack Wing, mm-hmm. all of their, their role-playing games, which are fantastic. Um, yeah. The Game of Thrones board game is Fantasy Flight as well, isn't it? Sure is. Which is it also is. regarded, not space, obviously, but is also regarded as like a very, very good Yeah, another example of a franchise game, game yeah. done right. They mm-hmm. do a lot of Lord of the Rings games that are great. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah, you've got if, if you've got a good sort of design studio behind it that has enough trust from the IP holder, then, yeah, they can do these sorts of things mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, BSG was such a big deal, they wound up making sort of a, 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 a light version of it uh, called Dark Moon. It's... You can, can you've played Dark Moon before? Yeah, right? I've played both. Um, Dark Moon actually started off as someone on the internet somewhere, sort of like hacking at their mm. copy of Battlestar Galactica to make it slightly more accessible. Mm. I mean, Battlestar is a long, long, wonderful experience, but it's a long experience, and you don't always have five hours of your life to yeah, dedicate it's to a couple hours longer <laughs> than it needs yeah. to be, strictly speaking. Yeah. So, so they they sort of like chopped and cut stuff up a little bit and then made what they called Battlestar Galactica Express, which mm. takes only, I think, like an hour and a half to two hours versus the four or five. Seems a lot more reasonable. And then mm-hmm. someone somewhere liked it so much that they, I guess, bought out the rights and made Dark Moon, which is very similar. So question, you're playing Dark Moon. Mm. How easy is it to just change all the terms and stuff to pretend you're on board the Galactica? Not that yeah. So you could you, you could, could just reskin it in your head. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, just, yeah so just uh, do a sort of a mental search mm-hmm. and replace. And, you're, and you can actually totally use Dark Moon as a BSG game. Mm. I mean, for those unfamiliar with Battlestar Galactica, the, the concept, and I think this is why it works so well as a board game, mm. is they really just focused on the one idea. I mean... It, Battlestar went on for what, like five, six seasons? Mm, four, whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah, like, like, there's quite a bit of Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica content out there, and mm. they could have done, you know, storylines and blah, 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 but instead, they just stuck with the primary concept of uh, we're on this big ship in space, and there are robots, and they look like people. And we need to figure out who they are, otherwise we're going to die. <laughs> you know, that's it. That's the yeah. central idea. And because they didn't worry about shoehorning in too much other stuff mm-hmm. I think that's why it works so well because they just built off mm-hmm. of that idea of like who's the robot which one of you is a robot you may not know you're a robot yet but you're a robot um, <laughs> and, and Dark Moon is more like is it are they infected like I can't, parasites I can't, or something yeah it's like it's it's very like a little bit more like John Carpenter's the thing you sure. know you're right. infected with a parasite and you're trying to like with a suicidal edge and you're trying to take out the ship or you're trying to infect everybody so it's got a little bit less theme, but still good. Still good. Now you've played both. Mm. Do you prefer one over the other? No, like they're both good. They're both different enough in time, mostly mm-hmm. that I consider them like quite different experiences. Right. You know? so if you're looking for a sort of more of epic sprawling type of thing, then you want BSG. If mm-hmm. you're looking for something that's a bit tighter, more, more compact, controlled, yeah. then you're looking right. for Dark, Dark Moon. Neat. So uh, one other company that's sort of well known for doing sort of licensed games is Upper Deck with their Legendary series. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, now, yeah. deck building games are actually a really versatile format. Anytime you have something that grows and changes over time, you can use deck building to simulate that. Mm-hmm. And uh, their first big one they did was Legendary Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, they this whole Legendary series. They did one for Marvel where you're not, you don't actually get to be a Marvel hero. You're just using cards Deploying from Marvel them, heroes yeah. to, yeah, pretty right. much. Uh, that one didn't really work for me because it didn't get to be a person. But when they did the legendary encounter set for Alien, 
Mm-hmm. It's so good. It really impressed me. It's and, so, so good. And all they had to do to make that deck of threatening, you know, villainous cards scary was have them approach face down. And suddenly all of the things that were just sort of very pedestrian, very transparent, very obvious about Marvel Legendary become this tense, terrifying sort of experience as the cards get closer and closer and you have no idea what's in them. The face-hugging... Yeah. Face hugging. Oh god! The, the face hugging, face huggers, <laughs> um, are also something that I thought Brilliant. really, really brought up the tension. So clever. So in in legendary encounters, as it's called, with the, the you know, alien encountering yeah. the, the xenomorph, you if you find a face hugger, you have until the following players, the end of their turn, to get rid of it. Otherwise, it's now latched on your face, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it goes in your deck. And when you find it again. You're dead. It just it just bursts out of your chest. <laughs> it just and it's bursts game out of over. your chest. That's it. Doesn't matter how many hit points you have. Doesn't matter how well you're doing. Yeah. You're just dead. That's and, fantastic. And they show up a lot. They're all there over the place. There are a lot of them. They're they're <laughs> everywhere. They're like rats. They're just hiding in little corners, <laughs> waiting to jump out at you. And it's like terrifying and super super stressful. And there's more than one deck you have to draw cards from mm-hmm. as well. And face huggers could be in any of them. <laughs> for for me, that was what really cemented the me cemented as a horror game you know mm-hmm. i mean mm. alien we always say like you know alien is like a it's a space game it's a space movie but before that it's a horror movie mm-hmm. it's a space horror space horror but it can, yeah. you know, but it's, it's a horror movie first, in space right? nobody and can then hear alien, you aliens yeah. is action but alien alien is horror yeah and for me there was the face huggers that really cemented that as that like moment of terror that was like oh yeah like this is like a horror movie mm-hmm. board game and you feel isolated too i mean that that sense of being all alone in space with no one who's going to come and help you i think really comes through in that mm-hmm. not every space game does such a good idea of sort of getting across the sense of being in space when you talk about star wars or star trek the idea there was we're trying to get give you a feeling of being in star wars or star trek right uh, with something like alien they give you a sense of being isolated and all alone in deep space mm. And uh, I, I was very impressed with how well it did that. Same thing with uh, with Dark Moon, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, that isolation that nobody's coming to help us. You know, we are in a tin can with hard vacuum for trillions of miles in every direction. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good stuff. One of my favorite IPs is, is the Warhammer world. I love Warhammer. And Warhammer 40K <laughs> has created some really great games. Um, I, you know what's interesting is I don't actually like the miniatures game. I've played it a few times. I'm not a fan. But the no. miniatures game is sort of the flagship of Warhammer 40K. Let's, for the benefit of our listeners, uh, Warhammer 40,000, the tagline is, In the grim darkness of the distant future, there is only war. <laughs> it is the grimmest, darkest, it is. most depressing, most horrifying for any game ever. Everyone is horrible. Everyone is evil. Everything is trying to kill you. No one is sympathetic. There is no one to root for. Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> See, that's a much more realistic approach. It is. You can buy that over Star, Star Trek, Trek. right? <laughs> yeah, optimistic space travel, you know, with people, you know, respecting each other and, you know, forging healthy nah, interpersonal please. relationships? No. <laughs> Endless war. <laughs> <laughs> well, it arose out of Thatcher's England. So, oh, yeah. no big surprise, really. Yeah, I, see, mm-hmm, I can see mm-hmm. that. <laughs> yeah, and the Forbidden Stars is a, a game that FFG put out uh, a few years back, which is, uh, I, I think it's fantastic. It's this great epic uh, um, 
conquest and uh, exploration game um, in which you play one of the various factions from 40k and it's it uh, borrows from the StarCraft game, which is another licensed game mm. FFG did way back when, where you are placing down your order tokens in systems where you have people or nexus systems where you have troops. And the order that they're resolved in is from the top down. So I could put orders on top of your orders now. My orders. And they're going to happen first. before, right? Yeah. So it's a very interesting system. The combat system is, is neat. It's a combination of of cards that you're playing for various tactics will give you various symbols and then dice that you roll. So it, it's it's big, it's sprawling, it's huge. It's by Corey... Koniska, yeah. Yeah, Corey Koniska, um, who also did um, Star Wars uh, Rebellion. The um, For quite a while, Fantasy Flight Games had the license to all the Warhammer stuff. Yes. And recently, those companies had a bit of a divorce, which means if you want to play Chaos in the Old World, you want to play Forbidden Stars, you want to play all these FFG games that are set in the Warhammer universe, they're no longer really possible to get hold of anymore, which is a shame. It is a huge shame. That was, that was one case of publisher and licensor where uh, it, they really did seem to sing. They created a lot of really good games, mm-hmm. some of which happened in space, including Warhammer 40K Conquest, which was a, a card game, yes. like a Star Wars type thing, um, but set in the world of Warhammer. Another Eric Lang game, I believe. It yeah. was indeed. Yeah. It's a shame because they were, um, they were working on an expansion for Forbidden Stars. It was still in the early development stage when the license went away. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. This is another problem that can happen in licensed mm-hmm. games is that uh, publishers and licensors don't always get along. And uh, a lot of times the, the, the business side of the industry winds up sort of overshadowing the design side and the play side of things, which is a really sad thing. They talk about the legendary games as well. They also did one for Firefly. And Firefly itself has quite a few games. Mm-hmm. Recently, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, Firefly's been a big thing for a while, but only, I want to say, in the past like three years have I seen any Firefly games, and then suddenly there are a million of them. It's another classic yeah. case of, a, uh, of, a, of, of what could be thought of as a relatively obscure franchise with an extraordinarily devoted fan base mm-hmm. sort of keeping it alive. The Firefly board game, the uh, you know the big one, is one that I find is a it, it kind of overstays its welcome somewhat. Mm-hmm. But if you want to have a ship that is yours and just yours, and a crew of people to travel with, and a galaxy to just gallivant around in, you want to be a pirate, do you want to be a smuggler, do you want to be a hero? So many options. It really does let you sort of step into the shoes of one of these ship captains mm-hmm. and just travel it into the black. Mm-hmm. It's also such a good-looking game. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It gorgeous, yeah. yeah, that was the first thing that, and I, I love Firefly, but when I cracked up in the box and poked around at it, that was the thing that really did it for me first, like how nice it was, how mm-hmm. beautiful all the components were and all the art and all that sort of stuff. Um, it really does do a good job of being in that world. Mm-hmm. You know, It was very, very clearly made by people that were huge fans of the show yeah so versus you know something like um bsg where they mostly just focused on the one idea and everything else was sort of secondary and there's not a ton of like let's say shout outs to the show or like call outs to the show there's like some things you know Mm -hmm. like but for the most part there isn't something like fire the firefly board game you can see in almost every single card the love for the show (laughs) that the people building this game did you know? So if you love Firefly and you want to like go like, oh, this is so pretty. Oh, I remember that thing. That makes so much sense. <laughs> this is a great one. But I do agree that I found it a little bit unnecessarily 
long. It's 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 very much a social event. You have to sort of be prepared to settle in for a good long time and make sure that a, a goodly chunk of that time is going to be spent chatting with your mm-hmm. friends about your favorite episodes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That can help to uh, uh, to make it so that the playtime feels less like an issue and more like just spending more time enjoying it. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think there are any of the other uh, Firefly games were were very good. Yeah, no. there's a dice game, Shiny, Shiny dice. dice. was awful. Shiny Dice there was, was awful. Out it was the so black. bad. Uh, they out did the black, uh, Firefly Flux. Yeah. Uh, there, was a, there was a Legendary Encounters Firefly game, mm. which I heard was not a success. I, I did not care for it at yeah. all. Um, and then there was the, the cooperative one, uh, Fistful of... Credits. Fistful yeah, of Credits. Yeah, Fistful of Credits, which looks pretty neat. I still haven't had a chance to, mm-hmm. to try it, but... For the most part, most most of them have just been awful. I've heard that the um, the expansions for the the, the Firefly board game mm-hmm. make it a quite different and quite more enjoyable experience. One in particular, the one that gives you the uh, those outlying areas on the left side of the mm-hmm. board, is, is 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 a huge advancement in terms of giving you more scope to do the kinds of stuff that you saw the characters do in the series. Yeah, my experience was that I found that it was mostly just. Let's go from point A to point B and yeah. like not really interact with each other's ships too much and not really worry too much about the Reavers or the... Adding, know, adding, adding the Reavers was a big deal because yeah. Reaver space is added in mm-hmm. that part of the board and they become a much more active part of the game. Other big massive space franchises, um, Dune? Ah, yes, uh, yes. the space the rest, equivalent right? of Lord of the Rings. You said the R word. <laughs> Just don't don't say the R word. Turn with Rex. I like Rex. Rex. Stop. Oh. I own Rex. Guys, Rex stop. Is great. No, it isn't. It's terrible. It's so Rex is this awesome little game. Rex is not Dune. Okay, it's not Dune. <laughs> We're talking about licensed games. Rex is not a licensed game. Rex is. Ugh. Okay, we we can get back to this another time. But seriously, Dune is beautiful. I've never seen a game that manages to evoke the feel of its theme nearly so well as Dune. When you play as Baron Harkonnen, you feel like Baron Harkonnen. When you're playing as the uh, you know the Reverend Mother Gaius Helen, you feel like a Reverend Mother of the Bene Gesserit Sisterhood. Manipulative, passive-aggressive. Um, it's beautiful. It's so good the way it evokes all that stuff. And so if you take all that and just flush it down the toilet, then you get Rex. That's what that's about. <laughs> um, let's, maybe we should do a... a we're going to be doing other sort of uh, takes on space games later on. We're going to do one about Galactic Conquest. That's going to be a whole week because, I mean, conquering... That's uh, next week. All right, cool. Yeah. So, the, the, yeah, let's do that next week. And then uh, the week after that, I guess, uh, space exploration, you know, alien worlds and so on. I think Dune would be a good thing, time to talk about alien worlds mm-hmm. there. And uh, finally, we're going to talk about when things go wrong in space. I'm and, in a ship uh, and everything's terrible. Yeah. The, it's, it's pretty much, Yeah. Because space is not only big, it's also incredibly lethal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and everything is trying to kill you. But uh, on that cheery note, uh, I'm Jonathan. I'm Emily. I'm Todd. Thank you so much, Todd, for being yeah, here. Yeah, thanks for coming yeah, on the show with no us. You've got something to tell us about, haven't you? For any uh, Star Trek fans who are in Toronto on Labor Day weekend, I will be appearing at Fan Expo on September 3rd in room 715 at 3 p.m. I will be part of a group that's uh, going to be doing uh, readings of classic Star Trek episodes. So if you want to hear a bunch of geeks read some Star Trek, then come on down. If you haven't been to see Grok Spock, it is a lot of fun. It was uh, that this started, I believe, after the tragic passing of Leonard Nimoy as a sort of a tribute to his thing, and it's, a, it's also a charity event for the Lung Association. It's always great fun. You should totally go. 
In the meanwhile, uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Snakes Cast. Thank you so much, Todd, for coming on the show to be with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you can get in touch with us at podcast at snakesandlattes.com to say hi, request topics, all that sort of thing. The Snakes Cast is produced by Dax Audio, and music is provided by Ben Sound. Tune in next week when we are going to conquer the galaxy. Or something like that. The opinions expressed in the Snakes cast belong to the presenters and guests and nobody else's. See you next week, folks. Bye. Bye. Bye.